Good morning, church. Happy New Year to you. What a joy. It's Sunday, January 1st, 2023. And God has been gracious and patient with us to bring us to this moment. Amen? Let's open God's word to Ephesians chapter 3. We're continuing our series through the book of Ephesians. And we'll be focused here on verses 1 through 7 in our, in our time this morning. Uh, but for the reading, uh, we will read to verse 8 as, as well. So if you want to grab a Bible and open it to Ephesians chapter 3, there's Bibles in front of you. If you didn't bring one, there should be uh, one underneath the, the chair in front of you. The Word of God reads, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And to me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's pray. Father of mercy, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for another year. Lord, you are the God who created all things. You are the God who sustains all things. You are the God who put the sun in the sky. You are the God who, who made the universe and the way it works. You are the God of time. You are the God of days. You are the God of years. You are the God of salvation and the God who offers salvation today and every day. Lord, today is a new year. And today again is a day of salvation. And today again, Lord, is a day for those who have salvation to praise you and to thank you and to live for you, Lord. God, we ask that through the reading of your word and through the preaching of your word, we would be transformed. That your spirit would change us and empower us and grow us to be more like Christ. And that you would help us, O oh Lord, to be faithful to you this year. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Welcome, church, to 2023. I'm sure that many of you are looking or have already thought about renewing a number of your commitments uh, in your life. Uh, for some of you, that's the fact that you're going to change what you're eating. You're going to eat better this year. For some of you, you're going to change how you've been exercising. You're going to exercise a little more this year. You're going to recommit yourself to eating well or to uh, working out, to reading more books, to being on social media less, to spending more time at home and, and less at, at work and going on more walks and holding your wife's hand some more. Yes, those are all wonderful things to read. Commit yourself to. So go ahead and do that. 
Go ahead and read through the Bible this year. Go ahead and pick up a, 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 a reading plan and, and stick with it and learn and, and grow. Do that. Do all of these things. They're all wonderful. But what I want to talk about this morning is that hopefully along with those other things that you are recommitting yourself to, that you will not neglect this one. And that is to renew your commitment to the ministry that you have received. To renew your commitment to make Christ known. You see, I understand that we're at different places. We're feeling different things. Maybe some of you are super encouraged about this year. And, and maybe some of you are more discouraged. And maybe even the people who are really encouraged are even kind of annoying to you because they're so excited about this year. And, and you're not. You're, you're more discouraged. You're maybe feeling like last year was rough. And you don't see any, any good that could come out of this next year. Or maybe you're, you're, you're aware of your failings from last year and you're feeling despair. Why, why even try again this year? Maybe you're feeling like me when I try to surf, which is not often and is not great. <laughs> and, and a wave comes and I paddle as hard as I can and I miss the wave. But everyone else seems to catch it. And they seem to be having a lovely time on it and I'm mad, and I'm discouraged, and another wave comes, and I don't even want to paddle for it. <laughs> Maybe that's how you're feeling about this, this, this new year. Some of you are no doubt encouraged, and really anything I say to you this morning is going to make you more encouraged. So praise God for you. Some of you are more discouraged. You need a little bit of encouragement. I trust that you're going to get that uh, in, our, in our time this morning. And maybe some, uh, some of you are just kind of more like in a camp of neither of those. I'm just not really feeling anything. And, and, and that, my friend, is apathy. And that is not a good thing. And so wherever you're at, I trust that our reading and the focus of this text is going to help us all. I want to also mention maybe, maybe you're not in any of those three camps, but maybe you're, you're just not clear. Maybe you're just a little confused on why people would want to come and want to give and recommit their lives to serving Christ for a whole nother year. Why give a whole nother year of your life to this cause? And I trust that as we work through this and think about this ministry, that you will understand the importance of it. And you understand a little better why there's people who are excited and eager to do this ministry. So wherever you are this morning, uh, we want to take the admonition of Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, where he says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And, and I think that all of us could, could use a little more zeal in our lives for this task. We need to recommit ourselves to the Lord and serve him with zeal this year. And if we're going to do that, you know, it's not just like we're going to try to muster up the zeal on our own, but this zeal has to come from gratitude, I believe. And this gratitude has to come from remembering the nature of the ministry that has been given to us. And so by remembering, by looking at this ministry, by being grateful for it, I believe that we'll be moved to zeal to do this ministry faithfully this year. In a song, Facing a Task Unfinished, it captures a lot of these themes together. It says, Facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, a need that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee Renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee to go and make thee known. That's what we want to do this morning. So the main idea of our text is that we will see three truths about gospel ministry that must be remembered so that we will be grateful for this ministry and, zealous be, and be zealous to fulfill it this year. So let's, let's begin. I have some fill-in-the-blanks for you. 
uh, in, your, in your notes. We'll work through these, these points together. The first truth about gospel ministry that must be remembered so that we will be grateful for this ministry and zealous to fulfill it this year is this. Remember how this ministry came to you. Remember how this ministry came to you. The Apostle Paul is writing to believers in Ephesus, and he recounts for them, for the Ephesians, how his unique ministry as an apostle came to him. And when we look at this and we read it and we hear it, a number of things become immediately obvious. This ministry did not come to Paul because Paul was great or because Paul was obedient, or because Paul was a great speaker, or because Paul was really wise, or because Paul spent a lot of time studying the Bible and just came to this on his own. No. This came to Paul as a gift of grace. It came to Paul through suffering. It came to Paul as a gift of God's grace, and it came to Paul as a gift of power, of of the power of God. And it, will, it is the same for us, even though our ministry is slightly different from the Apostle Paul's ministry. This should encourage us as we remember the ministry uh, that Paul was given, how it came to him, and how this ministry has come to us. And it should encourage our hearts and help us to be grateful and help us to be zealous for this work. First of all, let's think about how this, this ministry came to Paul through suffering. We know that, the, that, that Paul would have no ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. If it was not for the Lord Jesus Christ living a perfect life, laying down his life, being rejected, being despised, being, uh, being sentenced to death, being crucified on that cross. The ministry that Paul Was given was a ministry given by Christ that came to him through the suffering of Christ. And it was the center of Paul's ministry. He preached Christ crucified. That was his whole ministry. You can't have a ministry like that if Christ was not crucified. But not only that, we see Paul writing to the Ephesians saying that he is a prisoner for the Lord on behalf of you Gentiles. And his point then that we see is that in order for the Gentiles to enjoy the ministry of Paul preaching Christ, it entailed not only Christ's suffering, but also his apostles' suffering. Because as they preached this message, people hated this message and wanted to stop this message. And even Paul wanted to do that to begin with. In fact, it's ironic that Paul's writing as a prisoner when he was the one who was previously trying to find Christians and put them in prison. So those who, the, the one who was formerly trying to imprison believers has now become a believer, has become an apostle, and has now become imprisoned on behalf of the ministry. And he's suffering so that he can bring this good news to others. This ministry came to Paul through suffering. And not only that, it came by the grace of God. It came by the grace of God. Look at what he, he says here uh, in, in, in these verses. He says, um, in verse 2, he says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Notice how he describes this ministry. He calls it a stewardship of God's grace that was given to him. So did Paul earn this? No. Uh, no. In fact, he, he did everything he, <laughs> to not earn this, right? Uh, this is why Paul, Paul would say uh, in, in Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 13, you, for, he says, You have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. If you could earn this ministry, Paul blew it. <laughs> he missed it. He heard of Christ and rejected Christ and then started attacking the very people who were following Christ. And this is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he says, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church church of God. So this ministry came to Paul completely undeserving, completely and totally by the grace of God. And that's why Paul says in that passage, but by the grace of God. 
I am what I am, meaning an apostle, saved by God's grace, commissioned by God's grace alone. And a number of the different statements in our passage continue to to show us that this is all by God's grace. Uh, We have a number of verbs that are in the passive tense that theologians or commentators call divine passives. The idea is that it doesn't say who exactly the subject is, but the subject's implied the subject is God who has done this work. And so notice we have that with the word given. This is a ministry of God's grace that's been given to me. In verse 3, that was made known. Verse 5, that has now been revealed. Who is the one giving and making known and revealing? It's God. It's not Paul. Paul didn't figure this out on his own. Paul didn't just aspire to this position uh, on his own. Paul did not seek out this ministry. He's seeking to destroy this ministry. And so it's all by God's grace and all by God's power that Paul had this ministry come to him. We read about the, 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 the crucial moment. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 9. And read about the crucial moment where Paul's life was forever changed. And we'll just spend a few minutes here reading this passage because it's so good. And it's so important to understanding how this ministry came to Paul and seeing that it was all of God's grace and all of God's power. And also we see its connection with the calling of suffering. So in Acts chapter 9, if you're there, we'll just read from verse 1. It says that Paul, still breathing threats of murder uh, against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, uh, those belonging to the way, that's an early way to refer to the Christians. So if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it says that now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. So Paul's on his way to persecute Christians and put them in prison. And this is what happens. A light from heaven shines around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who are traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. And now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Now pay close attention to this. Verse 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. It says that the first thing after that that Paul did is he immediately went out and started preaching Christ. This was the, the, the moment where, where Paul's life uh, took a radical shift. This is the moment of his conversion. This is the moment of his salvation. This is the moment where he understood that Christ whom he was persecuting was not a fake Christ. Jesus of Nazareth was the promised Messiah. 
And Paul came to understand the truth of Christ by a revelation on the Damascus road. And this is what Paul is talking about when he says in, uh, in verse 4 that this, uh, uh, that when he says in verse 3 that the mystery was made known to me by revelation. And that when you read, into, read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. See, Paul wouldn't have known the truth about Christ. Paul would have known the significance of Christ. He wouldn't have known. He knew that the Messiah was coming. He believed that as a Jew, but he did not know that Jesus was that promised Messiah. And he did not know what Jesus did for him. He did not understand that forgiveness of sins was going to come because of Jesus' death on the cross. And he began to understand that. He began to realize that. And it was not just something that he came to on his own study or his own wisdom but something that God did completely of God's grace right in the very moment when Paul was trying to do the exact opposite of what he should have been doing. It has to be the grace of God. It has to be the power of God that this ministry came to Paul. He was undeserving, and you and I as well are undeserving of this ministry. You and I as well were running in the opposite direction when the Lord Jesus was revealed to us, no, not with blinding light from heaven, not on the road to Damascus, but sometime in our life as people preached Christ to us, as people read the scriptures to us, as people read the words of the apostle Paul to us, as people taught us and people prayed for us, we began to see Christ for who he is and believe in him and follow him. And when we did that, we received, just as Pastor Jeff mentioned, we, we became ambassadors of the king. We received a ministry. No, we're not, we're not apostles. But we received gifts from the Lord to serve him and to make him known, each of us, according to the grace that Christ has given us. So when, when you're discouraged, when you feel like you're lacking in gratitude, when you feel like you need more grace from the Lord, more help being thankful for this work and zeal to do this work, you have to remember how this ministry came to you. Don't take it for granted. It came by the grace of God and it came by the power of God. It did not come by an accident. It came by the very intentional, humble suffering of others of Jesus and of the Apostle Paul and many others down throughout church history and, and your parents and, and your pastors and, and whoever else who was born with you as you were crazy and you didn't want to hear nothing as you were disobedient and you didn't want to do anything or have anything to do with the Lord in this ministry God in his power and in his grace brought it to you and gave it to you. So remember that and be encouraged by that. This ministry has come to you. And there's no, be there's no greater work that you could possibly be involved in. Uh, uh, this, let me just, this, this is a thousand time better, times better than any video game you could play, any video game you could beat, any sort of earthly possessions you could collect. You get to partner with Christ and the Spirit and the Father in bringing salvation to the nations. Praise the Lord. Remember how this ministry came to you. This leads to the second truth about gospel ministry that must be remembered. If you are going to be grateful, if you are going to be zealous to fulfill this ministry this year, then you must remember what this ministry did for you. Remember what this ministry did for you. So just what did this ministry do for you? What did this ministry do for Paul? When he was on the road to Damascus, what's the, what's the main thing that happened? I think that we could summarize it as Christ was revealed to Paul. Christ was revealed to Paul. What did this ministry do for Paul? It revealed Jesus as the Messiah to him. What did this ministry do for us? It revealed Jesus as the Messiah to us. And then 
understanding who he is, we were given all the blessings and promises of salvation. We have had Christ revealed to us. This is what this ministry has done for you. Paul says that in verse 3, that this mystery is made known to him by a revelation. And he says this phrase, he says, as I have written briefly. And I think what Paul's talking about when he speaks of this mystery that he has written briefly about, that he calls in other places the mystery of Christ, uh, this mystery is is that uh, which he has already begun to speak about in chapters 1 and 2 of Ephesians, and which in verse 6, which we'll get into in just a second, he'll summarize it for us. But what has, what has Paul said about this mystery earlier in, in Ephesians before this point in time? Well, if we look back at verse 9 of, cha- uh, verse 9 of chapter 1, we remember Paul saying that God lavished his grace upon us with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. And what is the mystery of his will? God has a will and God is doing something. He exists and he's in control and he has a plan and he's doing something in this world. And and that was, was a mystery to us. In a lot of ways, some of it still is. But much of it, because Christ has been revealed to us, we now understand We're no longer in the dark anymore. Why are we here? What are we to do? Is there any hope for us? What about people who have fallen short of the glory of God? What about people who have sinned? What about, is there any way for forgiveness? Is there any way for reconciliation with God? Is there any way for this earth to be made right? Is there any justice that's going to fix all the problems of this world? What is going to happen with this ball of earth, you know, that we're standing on? All that began to be revealed to us as the mystery of Christ was revealed to us. And when we understood Christ, then we understood the gospel and we understood the mystery of God's will, which Paul tells us back in chapter 1 that that will was to sum up everything under the lordship of Christ. In other words, to fix everything through his son. In other words, to to conquer the devil, to conquer death, to conquer sin, to fix this world, to save the lost, to reconcile them to the Father, and to bring in a kingdom and a new heaven and a new earth all through his Son. That's the mystery of his will. And and that didn't matter to you. That, That didn't make sense to you. It didn't make sense to me. It wasn't important. It certainly wasn't something that would get you very excited before you came to Christ. But now, now it's what we live for. Now it's what we live for. Paul's exposition of this mystery in chapters 1 and 2 shows us that through Christ, believers have been adopted They've been chosen. They've been made heirs and redeemed and forgiven and sealed and reconciled and brought under the the blessed, beneficent, glorious, good lordship of Christ. And that through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and uh, session, sitting at the right hand of the Father with all principalities and powers subjected to him, we now understand perfectly who's in control and where history is heading heading and why we have hope and why we have a glorious future you see this is the mystery of christ this is the gospel this is the mystery of his will and we understand it now not because we were smart not because we were bright but because god in his grace lavished it upon us with all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our sins. That we were dead. That we were following the course of this world. We're just going to do what everyone else is doing. They think that's good. They think that's a, that's a great idea. Let's spend our life doing that. Until Christ came. Until God made us alive. And by grace we were saved through faith. As a gift of God. Paul's explained these things. But he's going to talk about the blessings 
of salvation again and summarize this mystery for us in verse 6. He says in verse 6, take a look at it. He says, this mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's good news. That's good news for, for, for I think, uh, 99% of us who are, who are Gentiles. The mystery of Christ is that through Christ, Jew and Gentile can be perfectly united all by grace and not by works to the Father and to one another and enjoy co-equal status in the church. And that's what Paul is emphasizing in verse 6. So let's consider each of these, each of these briefly. The first is he says that uh, we are fellow heirs of the same kingdom. Jews and Gentiles, all by grace, by faith in Christ, have been made fellow heirs of the same kingdom. And, and to speak of fel- being fellow heirs is a marvelous blessing. And if you're gonna if you're gonna be grateful, you have to understand that you are an heir by grace. Because if you understand that you're an heir all by grace, all because of the work of Christ, not because of any work you did, then you have something truly grateful, uh, something to be truly grateful for. You will inherit Christ's kingdom. You will inherit that kingdom. And you will inherit that kingdom without the Gentile having to become a Jew or without the Jew having to become a Gentile. But both of them together right now and forever enjoy being fellow heirs. When you think of fellow heirs, you should think of uh, brothers both inheriting the family's estate and inheriting it together. That's the unity that we now enjoy in Christ, as Jews and Gentiles. Any sinful thoughts of pride, superiority, partiality are all completely smashed to pieces by the truth that we are co-heirs of the same kingdom because we have the same shared future glory. And, and, And neither of us is going to inherit that without the other. This is good news. Do you remember that Jesus said that the meek shall inherit the earth? Do you remember that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 that the time's coming when the righteous will hear uh, from Jesus the king, that he will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's the inheritance that we're talking about. That's what it means to be an heir. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, after he's amazed by the faith of a Gentile, and he says, I haven't found such faith in Israel, right? Jesus goes on and says, truly I tell you, uh, or excuse me, he says, I tell you many will come from the east and from the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, those from the east and the west here are, are, are Gentiles, So Jesus has already talked about, already promised a day when Gentiles and Jews together are going to inherit and enjoy this kingdom together forever. This is all possible because of Christ and because this mystery has been revealed. Paul puts this really clearly, I think, in Galatians chapter 3. He says that in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Do you hear that? Heirs according to promise. We'll get to this in a second, but it's important for you to hear and understand that you could never be an heir along with the Jews unless you are counted as the offspring of Abraham. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham 
that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so all the blessings of salvation that God intends to pour out on the earth, he made this promise to Abraham about 2,000 years before the time of Christ is when Abraham lived and received this promise. And he was told that in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. A little bit later in Genesis, he's told that it's in your descendant that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we know that that, that that promised descendant through whom that blessing of salvation comes to not only the Jews, but also to the nations, is Jesus Christ. We'll look at a few passages about that in, in a second. But it's just important for us to understand that through faith in Christ, we become Abraham's children. And becoming Abraham's children, we are, are made inheritors of that which God promised to Abraham. Without that, there is no way. But with it, that's how Jews and Gentiles are co-equal and fellow heirs. Let's look at verse 6 again. It says, the mystery is this, that Gentiles are fellow heirs. We've talked about that. But then he next says, members of the same body. And so this should encourage you. This should, this should uh, make, get you excited. Remember what this ministry of the gospel did for you. It made you fellow heir, and it also brought you in and made you a part of the same body. Jew and Gentile together by faith in Jesus are now made a part of the body of Christ. And we talk about the body of Christ. This is a, a metaphor analogy that, that Paul likes to use to speak of the unity that believers have with each other, and not just their unity with each other, but also their connection and submission to one head. The head of the body is Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says that Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So when you hear Paul talk about the body, he's speaking about the body of Christ, which is the church which is made up of Jews and Gentiles who are not in there because of their works, because they're great or they're smart, but all by God's power, all by God's grace. They get to be a part of the people whom Christ is leading, who Christ has authority over, who Christ loves, who Christ nourishes, who Christ guides, who Christ takes care of. We enjoy the closest unity with one another and with Christ. And we function together as one new man in this new body under Christ's lordship. And we got to all be there. And we all have to, to, to be working together in this. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 to 16, that we are to grow up, hear this, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from who the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Hear this, when each part is working properly, each part, that's you, if you're in Christ, that's you, you're part of it. And when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You, you can't, you can't, if you cut out the Gentiles, you're cutting off a whole part of the body. If you cut off the Jews, you're cutting off a whole part of the body. If you cut off the women, you're cutting off a whole part of the body. If you cut off the men, if you cut off the elderly, you're cutting off a whole part of the body. Every part has a place. Every part has to work. Every part is working together and is joined together so that the whole thing can build itself up in love. So that we can grow up to maturity in Christ. So that we can accomplish the ministry, the gospel ministry that God, Christ gave us to accomplish. He's working not through the apostles right now, but through his church. The apostles laid the foundation and we've been built on top of that. And we labor and we strive and we work together as members of the same body to see the body of Christ grow. That's our lives now. And there's no cutting you off. There's no getting rid of you. There's only growing in gratitude that you're a part of the body. You're saying, thank you, Lord. I'm going to serve you. I, I don't have to compare my service to their service. I'm going to serve you with what you have given me, Lord. For as many days as you, as you have given me, Lord, 
whether you're young, whether you're older, what, wherever you're at, in this season, I'm going to serve you, Lord. In this year, I'm going to serve you, Lord, because I, you have made me, by your grace, a member of the same body. Remember what this ministry has done for you. You're not disconnected from Christ. You're connected to the head. You're part of the body. What a glorious gift. How grateful we should be. But there's one other thing that Paul says here is that you are also partakers of the promise. If we're going to remember what this ministry did for us, we have to remember that we are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And I kind of hit on this a little bit already uh, with, with, with the promise made to Abraham. But that is the promise that, that Paul is speaking about. When he says that we are partakers of the promise, that Gentiles now, along with Jews, are partakers of that promise. He's talking about Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. When Paul promised this, when God promised this to Abraham when he promised that he'd make of Abraham a great nation, when he promised him that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through you. You see, if, if, if that promise, if you are a partaker of that promise, then you are guaranteed all the blessings of salvation. You are guaranteed, the, the, in the widest sense, what blessing is God going to bestow? You get it all if you are the, a partaker, a sharer, in that promise. And we're told that we become a sharer in that promise by Christ Jesus through the gospel. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians. He says, he says that uh, he says, know then that those of faith, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And that scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Likewise, uh, down a little bit lower, it says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So you see, this is a major theme of the scripture. If you are a partaker in the promise made to Abraham, then there's hope for you. But if you think, hey, I'm just gonna be good with God, but but not in the same way that Abraham was good with God. You're fooling yourself, and you're not a child of Abraham, even if you're a physical descendant of Abraham. You're not a spiritual child of Abraham, and you do not enjoy the blessing promised to the spiritual children of Abraham by your works, but only by God's grace. But if you have, by God's grace, come to believe in Christ and come to be counted as an as a, a offspring of, of Abraham, then you are assured that you are sharing in the blessings of salvation promised to Abraham and to his children. This is good news. When we think about when we look at this, this theme of, of the promise and blessing, uh, it's connected to the idea of receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving forgiveness of sins, receiving deliverance, inheriting the world. We see it, we see it in connection with the, the, even the, the return of Christ and entering Christ's rest and enjoying eternal life. All of these are encompassed in the ideas of, of what it means to be a partaker. You get to experience all of that. You get that. It's yours, and it's yours now. Not because you're smart, not because you're wise, but because of the power of God and the grace of God. He revealed it and made it known to you so that like Abraham, you believed God, and it was counted to you as righteousness, and you began to share in this promise of blessing. This leads to our third point, last point. Final truth about gospel ministry that must be remembered so that we will be grateful for this ministry and zealous to fulfill it this year. And that's remember why this ministry came to you. 
So we spent some time thinking about how it came to you through suffering, by the power of God, by his grace. And we thought, uh, we thought about um, what this ministry did for you. It saved you, it made you an heir, made you a, a fellow partaker uh, of, of his grace, it made you a part of the body of Christ, the church. That should just cause you to be thankful and, and to be filled with gratitude. But lastly, you have to remember one more thing. You have to remember that this ministry, why this ministry has come to you. Why has this ministry come to you? I want to draw your attention to verse 1 of our chapter where Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Let's look at verse 2. See if we can pick up on why this ministry came to Paul, why it came to us. Verse 2, it says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. If we look down at verse 8, that Pastor Jeff's going to preach next week, Paul says, To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Why did this ministry come to Paul? Why did this ministry come to you and I? It did not come to Paul because of Paul. It did not come to me and you because of me and you. Uh, yes, God and his grace made us beneficiaries of this, and he gave it to us as a gift and gave it to us through his power, and we did not deserve it at all. We should be grateful for that. But this ministry came to you, and you have to remember this. Why did it come to you? It came to you so it would go through you to others. It came to you for the sake of others. For the sake of the person sitting in front of you, behind you. For the sake of the people in this room. For the, for the sake of the people outside of these walls. This ministry has come to you. For their sake. You've been given that ministry. Do you see it? It's all for the sake of others. It's for the glory of God. Through the church. As God saves and brings lost sinners all by his grace to himself. And then they get to enjoy and know and love and worship God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then they get to go and make him known as well. We were given this gospel for the sake of others. This ministry came to us that we might go and proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. When he talks about for him to live as Christ and to die as gain. He says, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So Paul's saying, I, I'd rather be with Christ, to be honest. <laughs> That's going to be way better than, than what I'm going through right now. But if I'm staying in the flesh, it's because of you. It's for you. And Paul's glad to do that. For as long as the Lord desires him to do that work, he's glad to do that. He says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And then he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Why are you still here? Why hasn't the Lord taken you yet? You're still here for other people's progress and joy in the faith. For the progress and joy of your children for the progress and joy of your, of, your, of your grandchildren, for the progress and joy of your parents, for the progress and joy of your neighbor. You're here for them. Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they might come to the knowledge of this truth, that they might embrace Christ and be saved. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm living. That's why I'm breathing. I'm a minister of the mystery of the gospel of Christ. And we go, and our job is just as this ministry was made known to us, we go and we make it known to others. And we don't grow weary in that task. We don't give up. We keep this in mind. This is really important. That, that we have to think, 
just how this ministry came to us is how it's also going to go through us. So if it came to us through suffering, if it came to us by the grace of God, if it came to us by the power of God, friends, you better believe it. It's not going to go through you by your own power, by your own grace. It's going to go through you by the power of God and through suffering and by his grace alone. Not because you're, you're smart, not because you studied a lot, not, 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 not because you look good. This ministry only goes forward by the grace of God and the power of God. So maybe you're thinking, I, I, I'm excited, Jeff, but I still feel weak. Good. Go out in the power of God. I, I failed last year. I didn't really do any of this. I'm glad you, you, you shared that. Go out in the grace of God and go out in the power of God. It's not about you. Go out in his power and his grace and be willing to suffer and be willing to be rejected and be willing to be the awkward person who brings up the awkward conversation, the guy who always talks about Christ or blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, go out and share Christ and make known this mystery of Christ. Let people know that there's a God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. You can do that. You can share that with someone. You can read that to someone. You can text that to someone. You can write an email. You can write a song. You can write a poem. You can yell that at somebody as you're riding by on the bike. <laughs> but go out and do it. In God's grace and with his power, this ministry has been given to us for the sake of others. And we cannot take it for granted. You're not here by accident. God's not done with you. If you're still in the flesh, even though you're, de you're, you're desiring, like Paul, to Christ, you're like, man, it's crazy here. I'd rather be with Christ. But you're here for the joy and the progress of others and for the advancement of the gospel and for the building up of the body of Christ. This is your ministry, and this is mine, and it's a ministry that we can do even if we're in prison. Because where's Paul writing from? And you think he's grateful for his ministry? He is. Even though he's in prison, he's grateful for it. You think he's eager to do his ministry? You think he's zealous for that ministry? Yeah, because he's not just sitting there thinking, you know, doing like twiddling his thumbs. He's writing a letter <laughs> to continue to make known to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ in writing. This is your ministry this is mine. So remember how it came to us, what it did for us, why it came to us. And I hope and pray that it will lead us to be grateful for this ministry and zealous to fulfill it this year together. Amen, church? Amen. Father, I pray that you would bless your church, empower them, shower them with grace, renew them, Lord, cause their gratitude to be deepened, cause their zeal for this service and this ministry to be heightened. And may they go and be bold and proclaim and make known to others the glorious truths that have been made known to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.